0: Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen in the home studios. We'll hear from Bart Scott later in the show for our Victorinox Swiss Army Knife Player of the Game segment. We were joined by Matthias Farley on this episode. One of the coolest guys on the team, heavily involved in the community, special teams captain. And he's a member of the Jets social justice team that was recently assembled.
1: Yeah, it shouldn't go under the radar here during the New York Jets season. Uh, As this happened right before Christmas, the holiday season, the Jets announced a $1 million donation to four partner organizations as part of the team's social justice, inclusion, and diversity efforts. Those organizations, Greens, All-Stars Project, Innocence Project, New York Urban League, and Year Up. And why Matthias was such a great guest today is we could talk to him about the Jets' efforts um, as far as addressing the social injustices in this country. And also, like you mentioned before, just a cool dude, a good football player, a special teams captain, a leader in the locker room. He's got some interesting style. He loves to travel. He's got a dog. A uh, ukulele. He's, yeah, he's, he kind of, he's kind of a renaissance man, Matthias Farley.
0: Yeah, he is. He's a really cool dude, and let's just get right into it. Let's hear from Matthias Farley. So there's a lot that we can get into between the win yesterday against the Browns. We're recording on Monday, 11.15 a.m. or so. We can talk about your background, your family's background. I mean, there's a lot that we can get into. And, you know, I, I, I think with that, I think something important that we should note is just your role in the community here and how much you've taken that head on. I just want to know, where where does that start for you, and why did you want to become such a focal point in the community?
2: Well, it really starts from my uh, my upbringing. You know, I grew up very humbly in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I can remember very vividly a couple of Panthers players coming to my little elementary school. Um, I was probably in third or fourth grade. It had a huge impact on me. I was like, these guys are, you know, living, walking, breathing superheroes in a lot of ways. My older brothers, I have three older brothers, i Nathan and Keenan. They all played sports, I always looked up to them a lot and just, you know, always kind of, you know, idolized athletes in a way, I guess, or just, you know, any time somebody would come share their time, it really meant a lot to me. And so now being on the opposite end of that and uh, having the opportunity to just go be an encourager, um, use this platform that we've all been given, you know, it's not a platform that lasts forever. And, uh, you know, I think it's really important to go out and do good wherever you can because while you're backed by the nfl shield the jets organization uh you know and the market in which we play and i think it's really important whatever team you're on to go out and just really try to give back because you don't know whose life it could impact ultimately
1: there's so many things i want to cover with you today some are fun some are serious and then yeah. other topics just include talking about ball but what can you tell me about the Jets, the social justice, diversity and inclusion team uh, that where club ownership's a part of it, senior executives and player leadership, because you're part of that and the four areas that you guys chose to focus on here in making an impact, poverty, race, equality, diversity and inclusion and criminal justice reform. Why those four and how did this all originate?
2: Well, obviously, this year has been a crazy year in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of social injustice, unrest. You know, I don't think that's uh, not been going on. I think it's just become more to the forefront. And so, uh, you know, for Mr. Johnson, as well as the whole Johnson family, to uh, not only verbally support uh, the initiatives of the players or organizations that we've, we've partnered with, uh they really put their money where their mouth is in a lot of ways and really have gone out into the community collectively you know as long with council and player council uh and and targeted four great organizations that we're going to be able to build relationships with that are going to have a lasting impact so it's not just a you know this happened this is upsetting a little dialogue about it then it kind of goes away this is something that's going to be ongoing uh here in the community and i think it's going to be really beneficial for everyone moving forward to you know see that you know ownership of teams and Uh, You know, the leadership within the organization and then players are all getting involved in uniting over these these really important issues in our country today. So it's really uh, special to be a part of an organization where you have ownership that backs you in that way and really goes out and, uh, you know, gets into the trenches with you and wants to make a change as well.
1: But is that something you volunteered for, Matthias, as far as you wanted to be part of that player leadership committee? Is that something where you guys had a meeting or did uh, some of the guys say, Hey, Matthias, would you be interested in doing that? Or maybe somebody in the organization, because like Ethan just pointed out, you're very active in the community with Jesse Lenders, vice president of community relations. And you did a lot of things at your previous stop with the Indianapolis Colts.
2: Yeah, it's definitely something that was brought to my attention. I jumped at the opportunity to be a part of it. Uh, You know, like I said, just going back to this platform we have, we can really evoke change. We can evoke, conversations, dialogue, uh, you know, social justice at the end of the day is something that has been going on for injustice, I should say, has been going on for a very, very long time in our country. And it really starts with just having conversations and conversations where, you know, people can speak and be heard, but also, you know, bigger than that here, uh, what's going on in the Jets organization is just we're going out into the community and and seeking out those conversations and um, those connections and relationships with people in the community. So it's really something that's kind of at the at the forefront of, you know, the change that everybody's looking to, uh, you know, be a part of. And I think it's really special and rare to have an opportunity uh, to do it at this level.
0: Matthias, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but have you ever had an encounter with social injustice, whether it was you or family member, and what made you – like, why is this issue in the country so important to you, and why do you want to be on the forefront of the, the team that EA just uh, – detailed out.
2: Yeah. I mean, I have, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, hash out all through it, but at, at the end of the day, it's, it's something that a lot of Americans experience on a day in a day out basis. And it's a lot, something that a lot of Americans don't experience on a day in and day out basis. And so I think just, um, uh, seeing other people's perspective, seeing other people's side of the story, uh, their experience, you know, living in this country, which is still the greatest country on earth, but it's not like there's, um, you know, a perfection, or you know, it's not like anything's perfect anywhere. So, uh, I'm really, really excited to be a part of the uh, the positive dialogue, that what what we do moving forward conversation. You know, things have happened. You know, I'm sure people have experienced things much worse than I've experienced. Uh, you know, I'm a uh, a child of a biracial marriage. My dad's white, my mom's black, so I kind of grew up in this. Uh, you know, obviously seeing both sides of things, having a black parent and a white parent. Um, just how they've loved each other throughout. I think it, you know, had myself and all my siblings grow up with this view of the world that people are just people. And so to be in a place where, you know, you can echo that message that, yeah, you know, we might be different, might look different, we might have different interests, but at the end of the day, you know, we all need oxygen, we all need, we all need water, we all need to eat. You know, there's all those basic uh, human necessities that we all share. So I think when we focus on the things that bring us together as opposed to the things that tear us apart, we can
1: Matthias, are you proud of the way athletes have responded during the pandemic um, to all these social, social injustices out there? Because I've been working in the National Football League for 20 plus years. And I think sometimes there's a lot of pressure on players, professional athletes, not only to perform on the field, but also to take a, take a stance on a number of issues that people want addressed in the community and also um has that drawn did that draw you to football when you were a kid the melting pot inside the locker room that's what guys have always talked about that I might be sitting next to somebody who is a different race a different religion uh you know and the list goes on but inside a locker room you guys all had that common belief and you're moving, you got to try to move forward together. Uh th- Is that one of the things that drew, uh, drew you to football? And I know it's a long-winded question, but you're getting back to my uh, first point. Like the way athletes, not only the National Football League and inside the organization here have responded, but kind of around the world globally as far as standing up.
2: Well, I think it's been a huge uniting force, you know, obviously Uh, teams go out and compete against each other, Uh, you know, you're always, you're all chasing the same end result, whether it be, you know, a Super Bowl trophy, an NBA championship, MLS championship, European soccer championship, you know, there's all sorts of things that everybody's competing against each other to obtain. But I think uh, when something brings everybody together in the way it has, like this social injustice in our country, um, I think it's really special. I think it's really special to be a part of, I think, uh, it has a huge impact because, you know, while we might be going head to head, you know, trying to run through each other day in and day out on a football field or, you know, whatever the arena of competition is. But when you can put all that down, come together, but, you know, there's something that's, it's bigger than sports. You know, what I mean, there's a lot of people's lives day in and day out that are affected by uh, what's going on. And, you know, going back to just having the platform to really speak up for the people who don't have the opportunity to voice that I think is super important. A lot of guys come from those uh areas in those situations you know where you might experience uh, you know social injustice in some way that shapes your life in a, in a negative way potentially and so to be surrounded by people who are uh black white brown you know for, from different countries you know those guys in the league i don't you know we had uh you know an australian guy on the team last year there's there's the initiatives with like uh england there's a couple running backs throughout the league so it's it's really brought, um, a lot of awareness and a lot of camaraderie within the locker room of guys. Yes, you go to battle with, yes, you know, you're with each other all the time. But when you really get to a serious topic like social injustice in our country and what we can do to change that using our platform, when you have guys of all economic backgrounds, races, ethnicities, all that stuff, I think it's super awesome. And then I think sports have always been just a super uh, amazing outlet for me my entire life. Uh, You know, I've always loved everybody. I love people at the end of the day. uh, Like I said, growing up in a biracial household, I made it pretty simple to love everybody because, you know, I'm related to everybody. (laughs) Uh, So, um, you know, locker rooms are really special places. I think you really learn a lot about yourself in a locker room. I think you learn about, uh, you know, so many other people's experiences to get in that locker room. You know, I think it's uh, it's a really, really special place where. Uh, there's a lot of things that are stripped away. You know, you know people in the context of being a teammate um, first and foremost. And you like, oh, you got kids, you got a family, you know, you're one of X amount of children. So you start learning about people's stories and what it took uh, for them to get there, the sacrifices that other people made that enabled them to get there. You know, everybody has a, a path to, you know, be in a locker room at whatever level that is. And so I think there is something intangible and, and special about just being around that many people who, are working towards the same goal, whether they come from different backgrounds or not, and just kind of putting everything aside and be like, you know what, I have your back. And I think when that's felt on and off the field, that team obviously is going to be a lot closer and then do things that, you know, impact the community in which they play. And I think the Jets are doing an amazing job of that with these initiatives.
0: On a totally different, much lighter note,
2: you play the ukulele, don't you? Yeah, it's out of tune. I have it. You want me to grab it? It's super- yeah, if you want to grab it, go I'm, I'm not going to play it. I'm not going to play it. Oh, you're not gonna play it. Well, it's not tuned, but uh,
0: I have, He's, it say, he's pre- saying it's not it tuned.
2: Is pre- it is. Pre- it's not tuned. That sounds terrible.
0: I have no musical ear, so you know I'm relying on you.
1: So, who would you like to listen to? Who plays that instrument? Who, who's good at playing that instrument?
2: So, uh, I went to Notre Dame uh, yep. for college. I had an amazing experience there. Uh, became really good friends with Corey Robinson. Um, he played wide receiver, super, super awesome guy, and he played the ukulele. And Corey was one of those people that uh, he was an All American football player, super talented, you know, freakishly talented, um, but was so interested in so many other things at the same time. You know, you often meet people like oh, I like football, and they're like what else do you like? And like I like. Watching football, I'm like okay, <laughs> but Corey wasn't like that. Corey had all these different interests, so he would always play the ukulele. He'd bring the ukulele to camp. He'd sit around and sing, and so you know, there's always uh, you know, a blast for everybody. And he would like make up songs, be playing, just jamming. It was really peaceful, chill. So I was like, I you know, I think I would like to be like Corey more. And so uh, I got a ukulele. He taught me a couple things. I started getting on YouTube and learning a little bit.
1: Uh, How about some Eddie Vedder? You play any Eddie? Mm-mm. <laughs> No?
2: No.
1: Okay. All right. I'm very,
2: very, very rudimentary in my uh, approach. (laughs) Hey,
1: Greg Doyle, formerly the Indianapolis star, he, he wrote a column about you. And one of the quotes in there, well, not one of the quotes, one of his lines, one of his statements, he kayaks in Lake Lugano in Switzerland and rides a gondola on the canals of Venice and leaves all that beauty for a day of his off-season vacation to visit Lichtenstein.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: that That's Matthias Farley, huh?
2: Well, after my rookie, I, uh, I, I'd never really gotten out of my comfort zone in a major way, I don't think. And so I was like, oh, you know, I've always wanted to go to Europe. So I went, uh, mobbed around for like 10 days. It was really, really awesome it was an incredible experience and then I've uh, partnered or not partnered but uh, became a part of an organization that uh, it's called American football without barriers and every year we've gone on a trip so we've gone to uh, we've gone to Portugal we've gone to Budapest we've gone to Germany uh, and we just do football camps over there so I went to that Switzerland trip that kind of sparked my love of, of traveling you know outside of the country and then to get to do it with you know, 17 to 20 other guys who play on different teams and you know you're really getting to go be like an ambassador of sport in a different country has been a really cool experience
1: you're a dude who's kind of open to everything right
2: yeah for the most part you know i'm really chill at the end of the day like i like to you know hang out my wife hang out my dog and play golf but i'm you know i'm game to go you know on a random trip to switzerland for sure
1: do you you still have the german uh short hair pointers
2: i do do, yeah harvard I have one. I have one.
0: <laughs> we got a lot of uh, we got a lot of visitors on the show. Oh, here Rayleigh we go. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. Harper. yeah, yeah.
2: It's Harper, I got Harper my senior year of college. She's the uh, most consistent thing in my life until my wife and I got married.
1: Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> correct it
2: right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but you know, she's definitely gone through all the transitions and all that stuff. So,
0: you know, I feel like based on what EA just said and just talking to you, I feel like you have. Or if you had a bucket list, it'd be pretty cool. So do you have a bucket list or just can you talk about some things that are kind of on the short list of what you'd like to do, whether it be travel or just I don't know, something like skydiving, whatever it is?
2: I don't really have a crazy bucket list, to be honest with you. You know, I think uh, so oftentimes everyone gets so focused on the things that oh, I hope to do this, I hope to do this, I hope to do this. And then you leave yourself, you know, potentially disappointed at the end of your life. And I really, you know, I'm trying to live with the mindset that you never know when things are going to, to end. Really, you know, and to, to focus really on the present and being present in each and every moment. And not, I want to be in a in a space where I can always like, you know, yes, let's go do that. But I don't have like a, a crazy bucket list. You know, I would like to play random golf courses all over the world. I think that would be really fun. What's your handicap right now? I was, I don't know, probably like a thousand.
1: On Come floor. on, <laughs> you thought, you brought up golf a couple times already, so we know you're it's sub exactly. 100. It's
2: a great, it's a great pastime. I really enjoy. it. <laughs> uh, frustrating in a lot of ways, but I, I really do. It's like it's the opposite of football, right? You have to slow. D- oh, it's very similar to football in the sense that you're repeating the same motions over and over again. It's just slower, and you, you know, opposed to having no time to think and you're just reacting. You have to be like, how did I
0: do that again? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I like continue. golf. I, I stink. I'm yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, we all do. I, I could see you playing across the pond, we should say, uh, yeah. or on a links course. I could see Matthias doing that. Oh, yeah. I want to. I want to ask you about the clothes, man. H- how do you go about what you're going to wear? Do you consider what you do, what you put on, a style, or is it just a feel?
2: That's a good question. I really do love fashion. I think fashion is really, really cool. Uh, maybe not so fashion. I like people's individual styles. You know, growing up without a lot of resources, I would get a lot of my clothes from, like, secondhand stores the Goodwill, we had a store up the street, Value Village. And, you know, uh, you you go in there, you never know what you're going to find, you have like 10 bucks maybe, and you're going to, you know, try to get as much stuff as possible. (laughs) So, uh, it's kind of how I grew up, just mixing matching stuff. I really just wear all black most of the time. Uh, I love shoes. I think when you're little, shoes are like your car. We always had beater cars. so. You know, if you had a nice pair of shoes, you feel like you walk in anywhere. I've always uh, really loved shoes, but I don't know. I kind of get try to get out of my comfort zone too when it comes to wearing random stuff. I think it's fun to, you know, people think you would only wear this or that, pigeonhole you, and then you show up in some like I don't know, boot cut jeans, and people are real. What are you doing? <laughs> 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 who, who
0: do you who do you say whose style individually do you like on the team then? Mm.
1: It can't be anybody conservative because that's just not your way.
2: Yeah, no, I I think uh Marcus May dresses really well. Uh mm-hmm. Art Millette dresses well. Connor McDermott, he's a big dude with some swag. You know, I think that's always something you gotta, you know, tip your hat to. It's hard for big dudes to be swaggy. Would
1: have never selected McDermott.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know what I think I mean, he shows up and stuff, he'll be super clean. You'd be like, All right, McDermott. <laughs> hey, are May's glasses prescription or no? I think they are prescription, yeah, because I really see them. Contacts in. Okay. okay. Quentin Williams is fresh often. Frankie Lou, Lou's fresh. I could never dress like Frankie because he's always wearing shorts no matter how cold it is.
0: But... <laughs> <laughs> Frankie's got that island vibe, no matter yeah, what the yeah, weather yeah. It is.
2: I don't have I don't have it like that, but Frankie definitely got it. Hey, but real one, real one, quick. Friend, what
0: about dude? the uh oost juice sweatshirt? You got one of those?
2: Yeah, I've actually ordered all the crew necks. I'm waiting for their arrival. Really? Yeah. All sure. the crew necks? I'm a big crew neck fan I like to work out in them so you yeah. know it'll be a good you know a good uh off season, uh you know everyday rotation you gotta have teammates team. got to
1: you had a holiday year at Notre Dame 2012 but it ended against Alabama 42-14 yeah, yeah. thank you Not- Notre Dame's playing Alabama this weekend uh, what's gonna happen you gonna be watching that game Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: I'm a diehard. You know, I'm, I'm rolling with my Irish boys all day, every day. Obviously, 2012 didn't go the way we wanted. Uh, but, you know, it's a chance at another opportunity. You know, I tip my hat to everybody on the team. You know, they've definitely really any team that, who's gotten to this point in the college football season or, you know, the NFL season as well. It's taking a lot of uh, resiliency and guys really being, you know, locked in. It's probably a lot harder to do in college, you know, so. My hat
0: goes off to everybody involved. Yeah, you got anything else?
1: No. I, I wish you a lot of luck this weekend. We got to have you back on the podcast, though, because yeah, yeah. we didn't we didn't talk too much about Jets football, but <laughs> it, it, here's the thing, Matthias, is that I think that people who've been listening to the podcast throughout the year with myself and Ethan, we've had a tremendous guests on, but it, the common... The common theme here is that it's not that we're selecting people; it just happens to be that you got a good group in that locker room, don't you? That yeah, you guys, exactly. you guys have totally stuck together, and we talk about character and culture. We're seeing that come through here as you guys close the year, don't you think?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it really is a special group. I think um, you know, obviously, the year has not go- gone how any of us wanted it to go. How we prepared for it to go, how we you know came into Uh, the 2020 football season expecting it to go, but guys have really stuck together. And I think that it speaks more so to the character of the guys in the locker room. You know, it's a, it's a different year. There's no fans, you know, there's, there's a lot of energy that you have to bring yourself. Um, That we, we definitely had some ups and downs, a lot of downs. And I think to have a a locker room of guys that still show up to work, everybody shows up uh, trying to get better at something uh, each and every day. And guys have really, learned a lot about each other. I think COVID has made this group even closer in a lot of ways, you know, there's different protocols we've all had to do. They moved the locker room around. So, you know, typically you'll have, you know, the linemen on this side, D lineman on this side, linebackers over here, tight ends over here. So you're kind of always in your little pod or group, but because everybody kind of got mixed in together, it really, uh, I think it really made the locker room a lot tighter. It's been a special group, uh, very grateful to have been a part of it. And then, you know, to win these last two games, you know, given how the first 13 went. uh, I just, again, speaks to the testament of the character of the guys in there and the love that we all have for each other and for the game. And you know, we're gonna go out there and compete at the highest level we can, week in and week out. And no one's going out there with any expectation, but to try to get a win.
0: Awesome, Matthias, appreciate the time, man.
2: Yeah, great catching up, happy new year. Happy new year to y'all, take care.
0: Like we said earlier, EA, great dude, very interesting guy. I think you said it perfectly, a renaissance man. So let's turn the page now as the Jets, after winning two in a row, now face the New England Patriots in Foxborough to close out the 2020 season.
1: Number two overall selection in the 2021 draft. So we don't have to talk about that anymore, do we? We will certainly talk about the draft in the weeks and months ahead, but the Jets don't go into this game with their fan base not knowing what's going on uh, as far as their draft status is concerned. They do have a second first-round pick that will be determined by the way the Seattle Seahawks finish up, but uh, the Jets fans don't have to worry about the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. The Jaguars are going to pick number one overall. Number two is not a bad spot to be in at all. The Jets will certainly have their options, but you have to hand it To the guys in this locker room, the way they have finished the season at zero and thirteen, and they took pounding in that thirteenth game in Seattle. You thought, well, this team really could finish winless, but boy, have they got themselves off the mat. Go out to Los Angeles; they were a better team, beating the Rams, and then they came back and took down the Cleveland Browns. And I know a lot of people are going to talk about what. The Browns were dealing with from a COVID situation, especially at the wide receiver position, and no doubt that impacted them. But it's not like the Jets aren't dealing with a ton of injuries and a roster shuffling themselves.
0: Yeah, the defensive line particularly played extremely well. I mean, Nathan Shepard had his second sack in as many games. John Franklin Myers had an increased role with L. Quinn and Williams, and he's been great. This year, John Franklin Myers, that is, and Frankie Louvu had a forced fumble. Terrell Basham had two forced fumbles. I mean, really, a, a very, very good performance from that defensive line against the NFL's number three rushing attack. And now, looking ahead to the Patriots, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with New England because they're locked out of the playoffs, right? There, there's no way that they're getting in. So, you know, will it be Cam Newton? Will it be Jared Stidham? That's something that has been a, a topic for debate among. I'd say many analysts the past couple weeks after new England was officially eliminated from the playoffs and the jets almost beat the Patriots on Monday night football in week nine,
1: go out and just win the game and finish with a three game uh, winning streak. Yeah. Three and 13 not good enough for anybody inside the organization. Not good enough for anybody inside the locker room. With that being said, um, these guys demand respect. Uh, by the way, they have rallied here down the stretch. And again, it will not impact any draft status at the top of the draft, at the top of the 2021 draft. And this is unfamiliar terrain for all of us because the New England Patriots have not missed the playoffs since 2008. And they have not... They've had a command of the division all the way, you go back to 2002... Uh, Tom, when Tom Brady uh, was playing full time, and that was the last time uh, a Brady-led Patriots team did not win the AFC East. Of of course, Matt Castle led them in 2008, but the Jets won the division with a nine and seven record in 2002. Um, yeah, you're right because if the Jets go in to Foxborough and beat the Pats at Gillette. They would have came this close to sweeping them this season. This is a changed landscape inside the division. We talked about it all off season. Remember, we're doing all the previews with the division. Buffalo, they look like a contender in the AFC. I don't know if anybody's going to take down Kansas City, but the Bills are, if you're going to pick any team to compete with them, I don't know if you would take somebody over Buffalo right now. Miami, they can make the playoffs here this weekend um and they are also right on your heels as far as draft positioning if I, if that draft was held today miami would have the number three overall pick because they have houston's pick so they're set up long term and the jets are going to have some changes in off season as all teams do and then we're going to have to see what new england looks like in 2021 but uh, the afc east is, is certainly um, looking a lot different. The landscape has changed, and a lot of teams are getting their acts together right now.
0: No doubt. And for a closer look at this Sunday's matchup, Jets-Patriots, let's hear from Bart Scott for our Victorinox Swiss Army Knife player of the game segment. Okay, Bart, what's your matchup to watch as the Jets stick on the Patriots in the season finale in Foxborough?
2: It's going to be Sam Darnold, right? Yeah, he's, he hasn't you know, yet to beat the Patriots as a Jet. Um, I'm excited to see how he's going to perform, how he's going to try and build off of this performance from last week, see if he can continue to be clean. You know, Bill's going to try and take away uh, plan A for him and make him, you know, win left-handed. I don't know if plan A is Crowder, uh, his security blanket, or if it's a running game. Um, don't know if Frank Gore is going to come and play. I know he's had an a, a injured long. Um, so it's going to be about Sam. And, you know, if he can lead this team to victory and if he can find something to really grow on and be able to take the next step and hopefully go into the offseason to get better.
1: I'm going to Darnold's weapons on the outside. That's Brashad Perryman, who had more than 100 yards receiving against the Patriots the first time these two teams met, a game that Jets should have won against J.C. Jackson, And also Jason McCourty, no Stefan Gilmore in the lineup for the Patriots. Once again, the Jets will not see Gilmore at all this year. JC Jackson, eight interceptions. We saw the Patriots play a lot of man coverage against the Jets in their first meeting. But like Bart said, he has his target on Sam Darnold. I'm looking at Darnold's targets on the outside and very fascinated to see the matchup to see if the Patriots continue to play a lot of man against these burners on the outside. This might be an opportunity for Denzel Mims to end his rookie year in style.
0: And then for me, I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to stick with the defensive line that played very well last week against the Cleveland Browns with Nathan Shepard, Floronzo Fadokasi, John Franklin Myers, and then even some of the linebackers like Terrell Basham and Frankie Luvu against the Patriots that have many running backs, like Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, James White, uh, Damian Harris, and then, of course, Cam Newton is a threat with his legs. If they neutralize Cam Newton, if they can neutralize that running game, that would give the Jets a very good chance to win, much like last week against the Cleveland Browns, putting the ball in Cam Newton's hands and daring him to throw the ball against this Jets secondary and this Jets defense. Okay, that's all we have for our Victorinox Swiss Army Knife player of the game segment, and that's Another edition in the books of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Bart, thank you so much for doing this all season long.
2: My pleasure.